This has been a conference about missions, and I don't know if you can ever emphasize missions enough because missions is the very heart of God. But what I would like to do tonight is read from the book of Mark chapter 1 this evening of the calling of Jesus to his own disciples. And I'd like to just share with you tonight just a few simple concepts really about, I I would say, what it is that the Lord is calling you to do as an individual with regards to missions. You know, you take yourself, here you are on the island of Guam, you're an individual. You know, how do you relate to the rest of the world? Or how is it that you can have impact and influence in the world? Some of the greatest work that goes on in the world starts on the other side of the world with people who are committed or who are praying or who are giving or who are supporting. And I'd like to read this evening from the book of Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 16. To me, the book of Mark is an amazing book. I've spent the last six months studying this book. And it's one that the more I read and study it, it's almost like it just comes alive in a greater way. Mark's gospel was not written in chronological order like each event of the life of Jesus. That's not the way it was written. It was written more like a, if you can think of it this way, like a sermon or a gospel track. And basically, Mark wrote this gospel for three reasons. Number one, he wrote it to show that Jesus Christ is really God's son. Secondly, he wrote it to show us that Jesus actually was God's servant who came into the world to serve and, by, and, he, and the way he served was he suffered. So one of the most important verses in Mark is that Jesus came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. So here is the great son of God, and at the same time, here is the suffering servant. And what we see in that is sort of an irony. As great as his son was, he showed his greatness by serving. And not just by serving, but suffering for us. And at the very heart of missions is actually suffering. Because all missionaries suffer. You think they go there to serve God and we treat them sort of as a hero and they go, but actually they're going to die to themselves. They're going to serve. And in that serving, they're going to suffer. And then there's a third reason why Mark wrote this gospel. And that is he's writing it as a manual for Christian discipleship. What does it look like to be a true follower of Jesus? And in Mark chapter 1 and verse 16, we find Jesus calling some of his disciples to follow him. And, and And we don't see in the beginning here all that is involved in discipleship, but we do see sort of the core to it. Because God has called all of us to follow him and be his disciples. And so I'd like us to read tonight Mark chapter 1 verse 16, where it says these words. Now, as he walked by the Sea of Galilee... He saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets, and they followed him. And when he had gone a little further thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the ship, mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants, and he went after them. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word, and I pray that you'll bless these few moments together and stir our hearts, Lord, with a a commitment of our lives to follow you. 
And I pray, God, that the Holy Spirit will work in a great way. In Jesus' name, amen. Really, the story we find here in the book of Mark is quite simple. Jesus is walking along the seashore or the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is not like a sea. It's not like you're looking out into the Pacific Ocean. It's basically a very large inland lake. It's about 12 and a half miles long. It's about seven miles wide. And where these fishermen were located were on the north side or the north shore of the lake. And these men were fishermen. They, they, weren't, they weren't fishermen that just like to go out and catch fish. They, they were fishing for a living. But more than that, in Bible days, fishing on the Sea of Galilee was a very lucrative business. These actually were probably individuals who made a decent amount of money if you were to look at it in today's standards. They were professional fishermen. They would go out in boats and they would take a net that was about 15 feet in diameter and it had weights on the end of it and they would throw it out like a big circle and it would land on top of the water and drop straight down and then it would hit the bottom and there it would cover over fish and they would pull a rope and it would tighten up that net and it would draw the fish in and they would bring it up and then they would of course take the fish out and they would sell the fish in the marketplace and the fish from the Sea of Galilee were not just bought by the Jewish people but they were literally salted and sent all over the Mediterranean world because to get fish out of the Sea of Galilee was a delicacy. So to get the picture, these men, Andrew and Peter and James and John are businessmen who are professionals, who are making a living. And Jesus comes up to them and he calls them to follow him. Now, when you read that in the Bible, you just read that he calls them and maybe you don't really realize something, but in biblical times, rabbis never called disciples to follow them. It was the exact opposite. The, the followers sought to be accepted by the rabbis. It's kind of like graduating from high school and you decide which college are you going to go to and you are trying to apply into a college and your ACT scores are high enough and you're trying to get accepted into that college. Well, in Bible days, the followers of a rabbi would want to be accepted by the rabbi. So they had to be qualified and they had to go through various tests to qualify them. But this is the exact opposite. Because Jesus comes up to them, instead of them trying to follow Jesus, Jesus is calling them to follow him. And what did he say to them here? It says, he walked by the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus said unto them, come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men Verse 18, and immediately they forsook their nets and followed him. And what do we see here? Jesus was calling his disciples to a full and absolute surrender. It's interesting to me that the Son of God had to call them to come to him instead of them wanting to go to him. But folks, if you understand your own heart and you understand the Christian faith, if God did not call us, we would never come to him. If God did not call us, we would never surrender our lives to follow him because we love ourselves too much. And what we see here in this, this passage of scripture 
is that we find that those that were to become the disciples, the servants of Christ, were people who were called to a full surrender to God's call. And I just want to say this, that you ask, what can I do with my life? And I want to say to you, you need to surrender your life wholly to God in complete surrender to Him. I remember as the Lord began to work in my heart about missions. I was saved at the age of 19 years old. I went through a process of surrendering my life to God, dedicating my life to God. And you know, I remember very clearly as I would listen to a pastor preach, it would seem like every time he preached, I needed to give something else up to God. You know what I'm saying? I needed to surrender something else to the Lord. And I remember coming in a place in my life where I felt like I was really surrendered to God until I went to a missions conference. I was a student at Bob Jones University. We were having a missions conference at my home church. At that time, it was a Southside Baptist Church. And that Sunday evening, I remember very clearly, we had this service and there were probably 2,000 people. That's a lot of people that were sitting in the church service And there was a missionary, an old missionary that got up and spoke. And I'm going to be honest with you, he was really boring. How many have ever heard a boring preacher? Okay. I mean, I, I mean, and I was, I was like in Bible college. So I was like really trying to listen really good. And it wasn't really making a lot of sense to me. But I remember at the end of the service, he finished preaching And he gave a call to surrender your life to missions. And folks, it was a weird experience for me, but I was sitting up in the balcony and I felt like the, the zero target of the Holy Spirit went straight in my heart. And it wasn't that I was hearing an audible voice of God, but I'm telling you what, my heart was beating like a bass drum because I really felt like God was asking me the question, Steve, are you willing to trust me with your life and fully and completely surrender to go to the mission field if, if, if that is my will? Because folks, what God wants you to do is to live your life with an open hand. Whatever's in your hand, God can put it in your hand or take it out. And I remember that night as I stood there and I wrestled with God because he was calling people to come forward and surrender their lives to full-time missions I just, I just was, I was almost confused until I surrendered. And I remember leaving my seat and walking. You know, it's the worst place to give an invitation and to come from. It's in the balcony. And I remember walking down the stairs and walking down the aisle to the very front of the church. And I, I came and and I was already known as a guy that was studying for the ministry. But I remember this complete surrender of my life. God, if you want me to go to another country to be a missionary, God, I surrender my life to you. And there was one other person that surrendered their life to missions that night. There were only two of us out of about 2,000. And I looked over and it was a fellow that was a little bit older than I was, but he was far more well-known. He had a patch over his eye and he was a well-known singer. His name was Ron Hamilton or a guy named Patch the Pirate. 
Anybody here, here ever heard of Patch the Pirate? Okay. And that missions conference, there were two people that surrendered to missions. It was Pettit and Patch. And I remember that very clearly because that was 40 years ago. And I learned something very early in my life that God, that, that, that what God wants out of you is a full surrender. So I want to ask you, have you really surrendered? And do you live that surrendered life that God, I will go where you want me to go. I will be what you want me to be. I will say what you want me to say. That's what these disciples were being called to. Will they fully surrender to follow Jesus, period, wherever Jesus would lead them? Well, then there's something else I wanted to, to notice, and that is not only did these men make a commitment, a call, not only did they surrender to, to follow the Lord, but number two, they made a commitment to mutual sacrifice. Let me just show you what happened. It says here in verse 18 that, they forsook their nets and they followed him. And then verse 19, and we'd gone a little further from there. He saw James and John, his brother. They were, they were in, the, in their ships mending their nets. And straightway he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and they went after him. So what you've got here is you've got two sets of disciples, Peter and Andrew, James and John, okay? So you got the business of the, of the two brothers, Peter and Andrew, they're working together, and James and John, they're working together, but they're not working together as a team. They're two separate teams. James and John were working with their dad, Zebedee. So the idea is probably they were, they were fairly well off because this is, this is dad's business and these are his two boys. And what we see here is we see two things that were happening. Going, number one, the first group shows us that they were forsaking their own business, what their plans were, their fishing. But we go down to James and John and we see something even more. And that is not, not only were they forsaking fishing, but they were doing something that was even more dis difficult. They were forsaking their family. Everybody in this room understands the pull of family. Everybody knows that. Everybody understands that when you surrender your life to be a missionary, some people in your family are going to ask you, why are you doing that? Why are you moving away? Why are you going here? What's up with that? And what we see here is not only a call to full surrender, but a commitment to mutual sacrifice. Everybody that follows the Lord makes a sacrifice. Everybody that follows the Lord is giving something up in their life, a sacrifice of their life to God. And when we consider the idea of missions, it's not just giving my life up, but in this case, it was a financial sacrifice they were giving up. I believe that in the church, for missions to really thrive, there needs to be a mutual sacrifice of the entire church financially. Some people pay the mutual sacrifice by going into the ministry with nothing and living on nothing. And yes, they give to the church, but there are also many people in the church who can give more and support more. When we go through the New Testament, what do we discover? We discover when the Bible talks about giving in the New Testament, it's almost always in line with some kind of missions. For example, Philippians chapter four, Paul talks about the gift that was sent to him while he was imprisoned by the Philippian church, and he called it a sacrifice. 
and they gave it to support him in his gospel work. When we read in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul talks about the churches of Macedonia who sacrificially gave to support those in other cities. And he talked about them giving of themselves to the Lord. For missions to work, for missions to be effective, there has to be a full surrender of the servants to God. Lord, I'm surrendering my life. And secondly, there has to be mutual sacrifice. A couple of weeks ago at Bob Jones University, we had our annual Bible conference. The way, way we work our Bible conference is we have a big offering, but the offering is not for Bob Jones to keep, but it's for Bob Jones to give away. I love it when we get to give something away. Last year, we raised a hundred, our goal was to raise $150,000. By the way, that is a lot of money from college students. At the end of the week, as hard as we worked, as hard as we tried, we got $100,000. I told the students, I said, we need to pray that God will provide the rest of the money. And what was this money going for? It was going for the island of Yap to build a school there under the ministry of the Zimmers. How many of you know the Zimmers? Yeah, everybody here knows the Zimmers. It was to build their school. It was a, a $420,000 project. And I knew we couldn't raise that much, but we thought we could raise $150,000 and have to trust God to bring the rest in. And so our kids gave, and they gave sacrificially. But we still were $50,000 short. And so at the end of the week, after giving, I told the student body, let's just pray and trust God to do what he, what, you know, what's going to happen. So we knew the next week we'd have some money coming in. And so by the end of the next week, we had gotten about 10 more thousand in. So we were at about 110000 But we were still $40,000 short. <clears throat> And Friday afternoon, I was leaving camp. it was campus. It was 4.30. I had to drive about 50, mile, 50 minutes away to another town. I had to go to a meeting that evening. And as I was getting ready to pull off campus, I got a phone call from my assistant. He said, there's a man that's here that wants to leave a check for Bob Jones for the, for the offering, for the, for the offering for YAP. I said, well, tell him to just leave it there and, and uh, I'll pick it up later. He says, well, he wants to give it to you. I said, I got to go. He said, it's $50,000. I said, I'll be there. <laughs> God allowed us to raise, and in the end, it was $160,000. Well, the island of Yap gave Zimmer and his work $230,000, and they ended up getting all the money that they needed. But there was this mutual sacrifice, and God blessed it, and God advanced his work, and he's advancing his work today. And the folks out here are benefiting from that. People back there sacrifice students to support here. That's the way God's work works. So this year, we decided to try to raise $250,000. We're not there yet. Our students have raised $136,000 thus far because we would like to renovate a camp building in the central part of Germany that used to be a communist youth, a communist youth camp for East Germany. And when the walls of communism went down, this camp was eventually bought out by Baptist missionaries. And we're trying to remodel that so that it can become a camp that will make a difference in Europe. And so our students have raised 133,000. We got 120,000 more. So whoever wants to give to it tonight, let me know and I'll take the check back. But the point of the matter is there's this mutual sacrifice going on. 
and every one of us are involved in that. We are called to full surrender. We are called to make mutual sacrifice. And then finally, the last thing is this, and you don't really see it in this passage, you see it later on. And that is a compulsion to earnest prayer. Three times in the book of Mark, we read about when Jesus prayed. It only talked about Jesus praying three times. And the one other key time that the disciples were called to prayer was after a situation that came up where a man had a son that was, had seizures and he was demon-possessed and they were supposed to be able to cast the demons out and they couldn't do it. And Jesus came up, of course, and cast the demons out. And later on, the disciples said, why could we not do that? And he made a statement that has convicted the church for 2,000 years. He said, this, this kind does not come forth, but by prayer and by fasting. That is, you do spiritual work with spiritual power. And what we find here in this passage of Scripture that the disciples were not only called to surrender and not only to sacrifice, but they were called to supplication to prayer. What can you do for missionaries? I know it sounds trite, but it is true. And you can ask our good missionaries that are here, what can you do for them? You can support them. You can give. But you know what they really want? They want your prayers. Because every time somebody goes out with a forward advancement for the gospel, they're entering into Satan's territory, the devil's domain. They're doing spiritual battle. Their children are facing spiritual conflicts that sometimes others may not face. And therefore, the, the kingdom of God goes forward in advancement when we do it on our knees. Those are the things that we can do. We can pray. We can give and we can surrender to go. So I want to ask you as we finish, what is it that God is speaking to your heart about? Have you made a full surrender of yourself to God? Are you mutually sacrificing? What are you doing as a sacrifice to support the advancement of the gospel? And then will you commit yourself to pray for these missionaries? that God's grace and God's power would be upon them. This is the blessing of a church as it supports those that are involved in full-time missions in His work for His glory. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You, God, for Your power. And I pray, Lord, that You will bless Harvest Baptist Church and the people. and They will have a heartbeat for missions and they will be committed and they will give sacrificially and they will serve and they will have a vision as big as the world. Pray, Lord, that you'll bless these missionaries as they go back home, that your power and grace would be upon them. Lord, protect us from sin. Protect us from evil, God, and the evil of our own hearts. And Lord, advance your calls in the world today. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.